0: Yes. everybody. Welcome to Hope. My name is Scott Reigns. one of the pastors here. That was actually a diaper commercial from the 2014 Winter Olympics, but I thought it was a perfect uh, illustration of what it is we're going to be talking about today. We're in the middle of a message series called Official Epistles from Other Apostles, which is a bit of a mouthful, but all it means is in the New Testament of our Bibles, there are 27 books. 21 of those books are epistles or letters that are written by leaders in the early church as the church is spreading and growing all around the Roman Empire. 13 of the 21 epistles are written by the Apostle Paul. We looked at those back in September. This week we've been looking at the epistle, or the letter, that's called 1 Peter. Before we get at what Peter writes about, let's remind ourselves who Peter is. Uh, We first come across Peter in a story that's sometimes referred to as The miraculous catch of fish. Peter is a professional fisherman. He's been out fishing all night and he hasn't had any luck, hasn't caught anything. And so he just kind of frustratingly gives up at the end of his shift, comes back to shore, and there is Jesus on the shore teaching a huge crowd of people. And the crowd of people is pressing in on Jesus. He's actually in the water now as he's teaching. And so Jesus says to Peter, Can I get in your boat and finish teaching from there? When he's done teaching, he says to Peter, how about we take the boat back out on the water and you try fishing again? And Peter reluctantly agrees to do this, but this time he throws the net overboard and he starts to catch so many fish, the nets begin to tear, the boat begins to sink, and G- uh, Peter says to Jesus, Get away from me. Get away from me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. How's your week been? I think so many times we come to church and this is kind of what's going on in the back of our minds. Why do I even bother? I've messed up so many times this week. Why do I even come to church? Do they really want me here? Do I really belong in a sanctuary in the house of the Lord? And just to be clear, the answer is yes, you do. You're going to have to sit in this intersection But we are glad that you are. Go ahead and turn to somebody next to you and say, Welcome to the sinner section, because that's every seat in here is reserved for sinners like you and like me. And, and, And sometimes when we find ourselves in this kind of place, it's really important to see how Jesus responds to Peter. Peter says, Get away from me, and Jesus does not give Peter what Peter wants. Jesus does not leave. Instead, Jesus extends an invitation to Peter. Follow me. Be my disciple. And Jesus promises Peter, I will teach you how to fish for people. So Peter starts to do that. He becomes a disciple. He starts following after Jesus. And frequently, we see Peter falling on his face, which is more good news for you and me. As Jesus extends the invitation to us, he's not saying you've got to be perfect. He understands we're going to mess up from time to time. And so we're going to look at some of the mess-ups in Peter's life, not as a way of throwing him under the bus and saying, like, what a fool, but as a way of reminding ourselves there's grace, there's grace, there's grace. Now, Peter, uh, he often is unable to understand the points Jesus is trying to make, unable to understand uh, the message of Jesus' teaching or the message of the parables, the stories that Jesus is telling. Uh, One time, Jesus is warning his disciples beware of the yeast of the pharisees the yeast of the pharisees and peter thinks jesus is talking about bread but jesus is talking about the teaching of the pharisees that is bad theology that's uh, infiltrating or permeating all around the, the religious world like uh, yeast does to a loaf of bread when jesus is on the mount of transfiguration he goes with peter james and john to the top of the mountain to pray and suddenly moses and elijah appear there and and Peter doesn't really know what to do, so he just starts bumbling, mumbling, like talking nonsense. He says, how about we build some monuments here and we can sell tickets and we make us a tourist trap and we can get rich. He doesn't say that. But he, he, it was not a good idea to build monuments there. He's missing the point of what's going on. Uh, at the Last Supper, Jesus wants to wash the disciples' feet. And Peter protests, but Jesus reminds him, unless I wash you, you cannot belong to me. Peter is always talking big like like if they try to hurt you Jesus I will fight with you I'll fight to the death of you we'll go down swinging and then he falls asleep in the garden of Gethsemane when Jesus asks him to pray for me in my hour of need he wakes up uh, when Jesus gets arrested pulls out his sword and cuts off the ear of Malchus and Jesus is rolling his eyes as he picks up the ear and puts it back on Malchus sorry about that Peter what are you going to do And then, three different times, in the next few hours, Peter denies that he even knows Jesus. He's messing up left and right, and as you read about his life, part of what you realize, his mess-ups sometimes come because he is so impulsive. Peter is often starting to do things. He is acting before he has fully thought through how this might play out. perfect example of this is in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew 14 begins with Jesus getting uh, the sad news that John the Baptist has been killed. Remember, John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. He's one of his closest ministry colleagues. This is terrible news for Jesus. And so he says to his disciples, we need to get away to a quiet place where we can grieve. But there's huge crowds following Jesus wherever he goes. He's not able to get away from the crowds, so he ministers to the crowds. It it turns into the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And when that story finishes... Jesus puts his disciples on a boat, sends them across the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus goes into the hills to a quiet place to pray, to reconnect with his heavenly Father. Matthew tells us it's in the middle of the night, about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus reconnects with his disciples. He just walks across the water to where the disciples are. They see Jesus and they are understandably freaking out. Uh, Initially, they think Jesus might be a ghost. And then we read this in verse 28. It's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus says, it's really me. Get out of the boat. Let me see how you water walk. And Peter, the other 11 stay in the boat. But Peter gets out of the boat. And for a short while, he walks on water, walks on water to Jesus, but then fear takes over. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He begins to sink. And as Peter is going down, Jesus reaches out his hand, grabs a hold of Peter and pulls him up, gets him back on his feet. This this image, this picture to me is a pretty good picture of a recurring pattern that we see in Peter's life. Peter is stumbling and falling a lot. And Jesus is always there to take him by the hand, to pull him up, and stand him back up on his feet. Uh, A little known fact about Peter, if you were at a Methodist or Catholic church, you wouldn't get this today, but it's Reformation Sunday, we're at a Lutheran church, so I'm going to give this to you free of charge. (laughs) Peter's favorite band is Chumbawamba. Come on, sing it with me. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to get me down. I get knocked down. But I get up again. You're never gonna get me down. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Yeah, nicely done. The eight o'clock slept right through it. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. So it's a little corny. Thanks for playing along. It's good to be lighthearted at church every once in a while, and it's an important biblical truth. At the end of that video clip we watched, at the beginning of the message, we put up a scripture reference: Psalm 37, verse 24. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Psalm 121 carries a pretty similar idea. I don't know when the last time you went into the prayer tower that we have here at Hope Ankeny uh, might be, but I'd encourage you to do that on a more regular basis than what you're doing it. When we built this church, we thought it's important to have a place that's accessible 24-7 because life doesn't happen in kind of a nine to five schedule does it often it's in the middle of the night that we get news that causes us to say what jesus says we need to get away to a quiet place and pray and reconnect with our heavenly father so even if every other door in this building is locked there's a door on the outside of the prayer tower that is never locked so you can always go and you can pray and you can come to your church and you can reconnect with your heavenly father When you walk into the prayer tower, you will look up because there's no ceiling. It just goes all the way to the top. And so at the top of the prayer tower, we put a little bit of Psalm 121. Actually, we put lyrics from a song that's based on Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up. My help comes from the Lord. He will not let you stumble. Now, my guess is in a room like this, there's a handful of people at least Who kind of stumbled into worship today. Things going on in our world, things going on in our country, things going on in our community and in your lives that have you sort of off balance, feeling a little unsteady. One of the things I love about looking at the life of Peter is I find him to be so incredibly relatable. He has trouble understanding Jesus sometimes, so do I. It's our year of the bible at hope we're encouraging people challenging people let's read through the whole holy bible together we got daily bible readings weekly bible readings and if we keep up with the readings we'll read through the whole bible in in 12 months i don't know about you sometimes i show up for worship and it's like oops forgot to do the readings this week sometimes when i uh, actually do the readings and engage with god's word it's more confusing to me than helpful do you ever find yourself like peter acting too impulsively acting before you fully thought things through and it gets you in trouble how are your relationships these days how are your family dynamics are you really looking forward to the holiday season so great to have the family over how about friendships what about your relationship with god do you feel like you're kind of tripping and stumbling and falling in your faith these days I want us to look at one more example from Peter's life that we might call a failure, a a time where he stumbles and falls. It's in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus is walking with his disciples from one place to the next, and he's talking to them along the way. What are people saying about me? And the disciples are like, well, some people think maybe you're John the Baptist risen from the dead, or maybe you're one of the prophets, you're uh, Elijah or uh, Isaiah or Jeremiah or someone like that. And then Jesus asks, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And let's read together how Peter responds. Verse 16, it's on the screen, read it out loud with me. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You understand this is it, right? Like everything we do as a church, Hope Kids, Power Life and Ignition for middle school and high school students, alpha bible studies small groups of the serving that we do whether it's a a project like what pastor ashley was talking about in announcements the angel tree project through our partnership with prison fellowship or the cupboard our emergency food pantry that's moving to friday starting this week whether it's gathering together for worship everything we do we do with the hope with the prayer it's going to help people take a step in the direction of being able to say what peter says here that I believe Jesus is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. There's there's no higher statement of faith than that. And just like in Matthew 14, when Peter is walking on the water and he's the only one that gets out of the boat, the other 11 disciples don't say this. They, They will later, but in this moment, Peter's the only one. And Jesus notices, and Jesus is impressed, and Jesus is pleased. Jesus says, I know your name is Simon, but from now on we're going to call you Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, the rock of uh, Peter's solid faith, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and all the powers of hell will not be able to conquer it or stop it. This is a highlight real moment in Peter's life. And as is often the case in our lives Peter's about to go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows in a real short amount of time. Jesus, as you keep reading through Matthew 16, Jesus says to his disciples, it's time for us to go to Jerusalem, and when we get to Jerusalem, they're going to kill me. And Peter's like, come on, Jesus, that's ridiculous, Uh, not on my watch, stop talking like that. And just seven verses later, we get this incredible declaration of faith, and then seven verses later... Verse 23, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. It doesn't get much worse than that, does it? It's like Jesus is saying to Peter, what you've just done, what you've just said, uh, it, it demonstrates such a lack of faith that it might as well have been Satan talking rather than you. Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. And the Greek word behind this is the Greek word scandalon. We get our English word scandal uh, from this term. Scandalon shows up a handful of times in the New Testament. Sometimes it gets translated dangerous trap. And sometimes it gets translated stumbling stone. Jesus is communicating to Peter, what you are saying, what you are doing is causing me to stumble. It's tripping me up. And if you don't stop, I'm going to fall. You're right, Peter. I am the Messiah. I am the son of the living God. That's who I am. It's my identity. And part of what's embedded in that is the idea that I'm the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So in order for me to be who I am, in order for me to do what I came to do, I'm going to have to suffer and die. So Peter, stop trying to make me someone other than who I am. I am the suffering servant. Part of what jesus is saying to peter is i need you to be my friend i need you to help me pick up my cross and carry it don't don't trip me up don't cause me to stumble and fall and miss the cross part of what i find so interesting about what's going on here in the middle of matthew chapter 16 decades later after jesus death and resurrection Uh, after the day of pentecost after peter becomes a leader in the early church and the church is spreading and growing all around the roman empire and peter sits down to write a letter that's going to be included in the new testament this story in matthew 16 is is a defining moment it's a turning point encounter in peter's life so much so that when he starts to write this letter, he wants to include this idea, this word of on. Because it was important to him, he thinks it's going to be important to us. In, in our Bible reading uh, that you heard Terry read, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter quotes two Old Testament passages that give us a couple of images that help us understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is up to in our lives. Peter writes this about Jesus. The stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone and he is the stone that makes people stumble the rock that makes them fall and again the greek behind this we see scandalon, on same word that we were looking at in matthew 16 two images of who jesus is and what he's doing in our life my guess is if, if you've been hanging around church world for a while you're more familiar with one of these images than you are with the other Even if you haven't been hanging around church world, you you probably have heard of this idea of Jesus as the cornerstone. There are churches that name themselves after this idea. People write songs about this idea of Jesus as the cornerstone. We're going to sing one of them in a couple of minutes at the end of the message. This is a good, important, helpful idea for us as we think about as we talk about as we uh, move in the direction of being a follower of jesus what does it mean to be a christian we got to understand jesus is our cornerstone and peter writes jesus is our stumbling stone and the stumbling stone is a good important and helpful image for us as we're living a life of faith and people don't name churches stumbling stone church of christ Nobody writes songs about Jesus as the stumbling stone. People don't even like to talk about it. But we're going to talk about it today. We've been looking at these examples in Peter's life where he stumbles and falls, and and maybe you would call it a a failure in his life. I'm not sure Jesus would call these failures. Yes, Jesus does say, get away from me, Satan, at one point. But in pretty much every instance including that one, Jesus is there. Jesus remains present with Peter. He's more like the moms in that video clip we watched at the beginning of the message. Their kids are learning to walk and ice skate and snow ski or snowboard, and when they stumble and when they fall and when they get hurt, the mom is there to pick them back up, to comfort them, to encourage them, to cheer them on, to, to encourage them to keep going. That's what I see Jesus doing in Peter's life. So much so that after the death and resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples and he goes right to Peter and he forgives Peter, reinstates Peter into ministry, reminds Peter of all the lessons that he has learned along the way, empowers Peter to be a leader. On the day of Pentecost, Peter receives the Holy Spirit. He preaches his first sermon and 3,000 people come to faith. I would like to fail like Peter. You keep reading through the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, we read about the healing power that God gives to Peter, that throughout the entire city of Jerusalem, people are bringing out uh, family members and friends who are sick, who have diseases, and they're lining them up along the streets with the hope that Peter might walk by, and just his shadow falling on someone who is sick would make them well. Peter is standing up, boldly proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, even if it's going to cost him his life, even if it's going to mean he's going to be thrown into prison. It's like Peter has become a brand new person, like he's experienced a supernatural transformation. And he writes about the transformation in the beginning of this letter, 1 Peter 1, verse 3. Again, it's on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter has experienced resurrection power. Resurrection power is the power of God to take something that's dead and bring it back to life, to take something that's fallen flat on its faith and lift it up, raise it up, put it back on its feet. Resurrection power changed Peter's life. And when we put our hope In this same resurrection power, Chumbawamba can become our favorite band. We can get knocked down, and we can get back up again. But notice, Peter makes it very clear. What's the power that gets us back on our feet when we fall down? It's the mercy of God. It's the mercy of God that gives us a new birth into a living hope. Peter trusts this. Peter understands this. Peter has experienced this in his life but it was a hard lesson for him to learn it's a hard truth that changed Peter's life and it's a hard truth that can change our lives as well it's a hard truth because we wish there were some other way this is the hard truth if we are serious about following Jesus living a life of faith, walking in the footsteps of Jesus we must stumble and fall we must get knocked down It is a necessary pattern for followers of Jesus. If you want to experience resurrection power, you have to be honest about what always precedes resurrection. And that is death. Pick up your cross and follow me, Jesus says. And he doesn't ask us to do anything he's not willing to do himself. Jesus picks up his cross and we read about it. He stumbles under the weight of that cross. Why would we think we would not stumble? We would not fall under the weight of the cross. We are called to carry. You and I spend so much time in our lives, so much energy, so much money in our lives trying to get all the necessary skills, trying to accumulate all the resources that we need that we think will help us avoid stumbling and falling in our lives. But sooner or later, we will all, come face-to-face with an experience, a a circumstance in our lives. We will enter into a relationship. Uh, We we will go through a loss, a tragedy, a death that knocks us down, that drives us to our knees, that that puts us in a place where we're like, I do not have the right skill set. I don't have the wisdom or knowledge. I don't have the willpower. I don't even have the faith to endure what I'm going through. And I'm convinced these moments are what the biblical writers are talking about when they talk about stumbling stones in our life. Right after Jesus says to Peter, you're a stumbling stone to me right now, two verses later in in Matthew 16, 25, Jesus says this. Let's read this out loud together. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Part of what Jesus is saying here, losing is necessary. Losing is necessary. We have to develop the art of losing. We live in a part of the world that loves winning. Uh, Friday night I was in Waukee. Pastor Mike, the senior pastor of HOPE, is the public address announcer for northwest uh the high school football team there and so he invited pastor pat from hope Waukee and me from hope ankeny to be spotters for him for the centennial versus northwest first round playoff football game Um, so my job was to put on the binoculars and say who, what, number 16 is making the tackle, or number 32 is uh, making the tackle, and number zero is making the first down, and another touchdown, and another touchdown, and another touchdown. <laughs> and 77 made the block that opened the hole for number zero to get that final touchdown. Um, Centennial crushed them. It, at one point, somebody walks through the press box, again, in Waukee, and asks, who's the bad luck charm? And Pastor Mike said, he's from Ankeny. <laughs> <laughs> Threw me right under the bus. I, Hey, I'm happy to take one for the team. Uh, we, we got a lot of winners here. I look out and I see people who are on that Centennial team. I see coaches from Dowling. We welcome them here. We love them here. I see coaches from Ankeny. Winners, winners, winners. And it's not just football, volleyball, cross country, and it's not just Ankeny. It's North Polk and Ballard and Bondurant. We love winning. Are the Cyclones in first place? We love winning. (laughs) The Hawks are in first place, and all Iowa fans are angry. Cyclones are in first place. This is awesome. Jesus says we have to develop the art of losing, and that feels weird. It feels wrong. Is that really good, true, right? But if we stop and think about it for a second, don't we understand this is how life works? We're talking about living a life of faith being disciples of jesus following jesus walking in the footsteps of jesus how do we learn to walk in a physical sense babies don't just wake up one day and decide "Eh, i'm 10 months old now i want to walk they have to lose at rolling over they have to lose at crawling they have to lose at pulling themselves up and if they lose enough they develop the strength to be able to walk one day all kinds of stumbling stones that we trip over as we learn to walk in a physical sense and all kinds of stumbling stones that we trip over as we learn to walk in a spiritual sense. And part of what Peter is getting at here, as we look at his life, his example, as we look at what he's writing in this letter, if we will allow it, if we will allow it, God will use the stumbling stones in our lives to help our faith grow to strengthen our faith. I like the way a woman named Julian of Norwich talks about this. Uh, she's a faithful follower of Jesus from the 1300s. And she says this, First there is the fall, and then we recover from the fall. And both are the mercy of God. Whew. That feels a little problematic, doesn't it? I mean, if, you, if you're to tell me the recovery from the fall is the mercy of God, okay, I'm with you. She says, yeah, the fall itself is mercy. The fall doesn't feel like mercy. The fall hurts. The fall is painful. The fall feels like suffering. When we trip and stumble over these stumbling stones and and we fall flat on our faces, sometimes, sometimes we get filled with doubt that we'll ever be able to get back up on our feet again. Which is why it's so important that Jesus is both a stumbling stone and a cornerstone. In the biblical times, a cornerstone was the first stone that was laid as the foundation upon which the entire building would be constructed. And so that cornerstone had to be perfect. It had to have the right angles. It had to be the the right shape, the right size, because everything else had to align with that to build a a building that would not topple and crumble and fall over, be destroyed. If the cornerstone is right, the rest of the construction is going to be right too. And so Peter writes in this letter and calls Jesus a living cornerstone. He's building a, a spiritual temple. He's building the church. And Peter says, we are all living stones that God is using to construct this church, the the body of Christ. I got to see that in a real powerful way the last couple of weeks here, and you need to know about it. We had a, a funeral here two Fridays ago. It was really big, really sad. And I'm so proud of the way this church stepped up to love our community through those really dark, sad days. Uh, When we got the details of the service figured out, we sent out a a volunteer list, and people it was a Friday when there was no school. People had all kinds of other things they could be doing, and people filled up those volunteer slots so quickly, bringing food, uh, making coffee, moving tables and chairs, cleaning the building to, to make it as hospitable as possible for people who might be coming to church for the very first time. Uh, people uh, were ushers and greeters people were out in the parking lot directing traffic it was beautiful all week long leading up to the funeral I was getting uh, text messages and emails and uh, direct messages from many of you just saying Scott we're praying for you we're praying for God to give you the right words uh, at the service on Friday and I want you to know I needed those prayers I felt those prayers Um, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for continuing to pray for that family, for our high school students, for the teachers and staff and administrators. The reality is we all come to worship with our very unique, very personal failings, frustrations, disappointments, uh, stumbles. And part of what I appreciate about Peter and his life experience and what he writes in this letter is Peter is trying to show us that the mercy of God the mercy of God God can use those stumbling stones to solidify our faith Uh, maybe this would be a helpful way for us to think about it our cornerstone can turn our stumbling stones into stepping stones Jesus Christ our cornerstone can turn our stumbling stones into stepping stones we'll talk more about that next week but now I want us to Uh, stand up together and the worship team's going to come back out and we're going to sing a couple of songs and before we sing them i just want to pray for us would you pray with me please Uh, lord here we are in uh, your house Uh, jesus says there are certain things that happen in life that that force us that that give us a desire to really connect with you And so here we are, and this is an opportunity that we have every weekend, 70 minutes to connect with you. And so I pray that as we conclude this service, as we sing a song about you as our cornerstone, as we sing a song about uh, the storms in life that fill us with fear, that fill us with doubt, that that drive us to our knees and, and cause us to cry out to you for help, Lord, would you help us? Would you allow us to really be vulnerable with you as we worship? To let you know, here are the things that are upsetting me right now. The things that seem unfair. The the things that are tripping me up. Lord, be the one who reaches out and takes us by the hand. And helps us stand again. Help us stand with that solid rock kind of faith that Peter has. So use this time now as we sing and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.